Hello all Kafka and Bond listeners and welcome to our podcast number seven. Uh, I must say that I'm probably the most excited about our podcast today because I don't have to talk to Tony the whole time. Um, I have a... Uh, What's bre- yeah. <laughs> We've brought in a uh, personal branding expert today, Mary Henderson. So I will hand it over to her and Tony um, and I'll jump in where I see fit. So Mary, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is special. This is very special, Mary, and you are the first clients that we have here Ooh. as well. So we figured that if we're doing this on social media, we might as well get the absolute champion of social media <laughs> in the room. Um, just a bit of background, Mary. You and I have known each other, worked out today, been a client here for 15 years. We've known wow. each other since we were babies, so we must have only been 13. Totally. Obviously, so it's uh, when we started. Uh, you've also become a very close friend during that period of time as well. So um, I knew you when you were the national uh, sales manager and champion. You grew Belkin um, absolutely to a huge level um, and then decided to go out and you sell. So do you want, as one of the things I want to ask you about, you and I are both children of immigrants. Uh, your Greek family. Absolutely. I've got the Irish and English immigrant family, so uh, the 10-pound palms on our side. So the fact that, you know, how do you feel being that first generation of, you know, most people know my age, so, and we're the same age, so I don't have to mention it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel in respect to how that uh, having those hardworking immigrant parents has actually helped shape you to start with? That's a really great question to start with, Tony, because in the field of work that I do, your story is the foundation of who you really are. And I think that what we do as adults is we tend to run away from our story. I know that when I was at school, you know, being of a Greek heritage was really shameful. It was, you know, I was amongst an Anglo-Saxon type of an environment and to have olive skin and to eat, you know, ciabatta bread sandwiches for lunch was not normal. They charged $30 for that. That's right. So, (laughs) but the thing that I realized, actually, I was only thinking about this this morning when I was driving into the city is that I learned about shame not through my family I learned it through the kids at school and that in in many ways became my default because I was shameful of what I ate I was shameful of how I looked I was shameful of so many different aspects of who Mary was that I didn't quite understand how to unpack that and my parents weren't educated enough to help direct or channel or give me other strategies As an adult today, it's the greatest gift I've ever received. I actually wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now had I not had that story. Mm. So being a child of of immigrants, first generation, has been able to, I don't know, it's, 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 it's made me a lot of things you know it's 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 given me some fundamental traits like negotiation uh responsibility uh, compassion things of that things that i think are under the eq banner i learned that from being a child of immigrant parents yeah yeah so can i ask um i mean with my family it was but did you uh speak greek at home prior to starting school you might so my mum is yeah. Yugoslav, my yes. dad's Greek. Yeah. So I my first language was actually Yugoslav. Yugoslav, and, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right up until, you know, I started preps. I had no concept of English 
on my first day at school. Hmm. Yeah, so it's a, isn't it interesting though how the childhood, you have a look at the seven-year-old and you can spot the adult uh, straight away, so in respect to that. Going into your adult life when I first met you, you uh, were working at Belkin and you, that well, you can explain what you did there, but basically you grew that to an enormous side through your ability, which I put down to, I know you were, um, I think it was Coles prior to that, Myers, uh, prior to that, but I think your ability to communicate, which is just tremendous, uh, one thing you and I have always enjoyed, a good chat with each other, but can you explain that first major role for you um, and how that came about and how you grew that? I think one of the key lessons from that role, which was, you know, a, it was a serious role. It was a sales Prior to social media. Absolutely. Yeah, old school sales. Oh, oh, yeah. ma- major old school sales. But I think mm. that it was, you know, taking responsibility of the Australian and New Zealand region, even entering into Asia at, at, at a point as well. But it was managing a massive sales team and to walk into a business that was a $4 million business and to leave 48 months later, four years later, as a $54 million business, triple digit margins, no turnover in staff except two that I had to um, ask to leave because of uh, misconduct. That's extraordinary. And as you say before social media, so what did I do to actually achieve those results? Really, what I did was actually match my salespeople and their strengths and who they were in their natural state with a portfolio. Mm. That's what I call personal branding 101. That's yeah. where it actually started. Um, and, you know, so by matching the right personality and the right passion within that personality with the right portfolio, that's a potent combination. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and, and we really understood. Well, well, I think I understood the power of collaboration, which you know I'm a major collaborator. Absolutely. And so understanding collaboration and how to look at different channels, how to penetrate into new channels through asking the right questions, through understanding how was I going to position myself as an authority in a male-dominated industry, that being IT, mm. And how was I going to stand out, given the fact that I was dealing at that board level, negotiating big contracts, dealing dealing with directors predominantly, how was Mary going to stand out? I know this is going to sound really crazy and hopefully your listeners will laugh at this uh, or see the joke in it, but there was a tremendous power in it because I realized that Outside of positioning myself as a complex problem solver, which I carried with me, you know, right throughout my career, even till this day, I had to also find something that could allow me to own the room in the first five seconds. And that was my stilettos, because I knew that the director that I was dealing with 9.9 out of 10 times was a male. Yeah. He had a PA. Yeah. And the first thing that she would do is walk in and check me out. Fair enough. <laughs> So the first conversation yep. was, I love your shoes. Yeah. So all eyes were on my shoes in that first 10 seconds. And in that moment, I had their attention. It's very powerful in sales. For some reason, I just got the image in my head of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that. Yeah, so the red shoes, exactly. clicking the red shoes together. But think about the power of that. 
So whilst all my competitors were trying to find the perfect sales script, I was trying to figure out how do I get to that part of the brain that bypasses fight or flight. And that was to find something that could actually distract the reason why I was there. It yeah. worked amazingly. Yep. And you have a wonderful wardrobe of magnificent shoes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Still till this day. <laughs> Actually, Jamie, you were intrigued by Mary um, moving away from that corporate yeah. world in the discussion we were having prior. Yeah, so I, I guess Mary, I, I was reading a bit of Mary's bio and, and I came across that in 2012 that you decided to step out of the corporate world. Um, and there was a statement that you had that you said that you reverse engineered your life from birth. And, and I just found that a bit of an interesting quote. Could you elaborate on what that means? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that. I'm so glad. Um, so let me just put this into context. So between 2005 and 2012, um, I had my own digital agency. So I grew that business into an entire infrastructure. We serviced the you know academic industry. It was you know fantastic. Um, after my second son was born, I realized three hours after he was born that I would never go back to that business because it was not what I was meant to do. I knew that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. You were, we just spoke before here about you know our, our baggage that we bring into our adult life. And to be perfectly frank, I think I was looking, actually I know I was looking for that tap on the shoulder for my parents to say, we're really proud of you. Yeah. And I realized that three hours after my son was born. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, my whole life has been a series of labels. So I actually resigned from my own company. Richard and I merged our two businesses together. And then that set me on this path from 2012 to ask that massive question, who am I? Yeah. Self-help was not enough for me at that point because I had been there, done that. You know, I'm a massive personal development person. Yeah. That was not, I didn't cut it. Um, so I engaged a mentor who was a phenomenal person. He was a professor in philosophy from Oxford University. And he was a world expert in religion sciences, um, yeah, ancient Hebrew principles, and it was he was extraordinary. He was... How did you find him? How did you search him Well, out? I was looking... I was on uh, YouTube and I found a TED Talk. I was actually watching all okay. these different TED Talks and he just happened to pop up on my as, as a TED speaker. Yeah. I knew as I was watching this guy that he would be my mentor. I just knew. Yeah. I watched it three times that night and I knew that he was what I was looking for. So anyway, we eventually got together and... He said to me on our very first session, what I want you to do, I want you to go and buy a journal and I only want you to write in a pencil. And from this day onwards, you will never write in anything but a pencil. So I thought, okay. And then what I want you to do is I want you to write about your life from zero to 21 in first person and just write whatever you can remember. Doesn't matter what it is, but, but there's only one caveat, that you can't stop and think about what you're writing. You just have to let the pencil write for you. Okay. And I'm thinking, what is this woo-woo? <laughs> this is just really not where I want to be. I don't want self-help. But, but you did it, didn't you? What happened is that I didn't... So I wrote from zero right up until that age of you know my 40s, early 40s. And... Um, 
I just real as I was writing the when I started I was putting too much logic into it it's like okay let me remember you know what what who why what where and then I left it for a few days I was really struggling with it and then I just sat down one day and I said you know I'm just gonna do it I didn't whatever comes comes and that's when I started to write I started I look back I read it all and I'm thinking oh my god there's complete patterns I'm seeing patterns you know I'm a mathematical analytical person so naturally that was a standout for me so I'm looking Mm. at all these patterns and then I thought I'm going to transfer this information as you do on an excel spreadsheet and just see what I can see and that's when I started to see this algorithm um, that was um, you know starting to appear right in front of my eyes and um, um, and that algorithm realistically was where in my life, I was thriving, there were certain patterns. Okay. And where I was not thriving, there were certain patterns. And then I picked all of that and realized, okay, I've got this amazing gift of how to actually bring the best out in people and not not walk away from the, the worst in people, but just work with people's natural state. Okay. And that's, to me, Personal Branding 101. That's when the journey started for me. Definitely. Well, let, let's talk about the personal branding. So you mentioned Richard before, who's your husband. Yes. Uh, Richard is probably one of the most well-known corporate branding in the country. Yep. And definitely his brands are known worldwide without any doubt. So having done some major organizations, whether it was, well, I suppose from a worldwide scale, Sydney Olympics, uh, but companies like BHP, etc. You're on the other side. You're on the personal branding. <laughs> so it's... Um, and you, we speak about our, you know, growing up, and where you speak about, uh, you said just before that you would love, you know, or wanted to hear your parents say that they're proud of you and things like that. And I've gone through that as well uh, myself. And so, from the personal branding side, I would have thought historically that if I went out there and did personal branding, that I might have somebody turn around and say, my God, you're absolutely full of yourself. You love yourself. You know, so it's uh, you're such a narcissist, Tony Kofkin. Why are you doing this? So can you explain to our audience today the importance of and how personal branding works? It's actually a very important conversation in terms of where our economy is right in this moment. We're entering into a gig economy. What that means is that most professional services or most uh, executives in the professional services arena by 2022-2023 will become freelance or consultants. We're talking a statistic of 43%, which is massive. Mm. So that's the first thing though. So I'm just setting the scene here. The second part is we can no longer sell a corporate brand and hope that consumers are going to buy my brand because I have Apple on that PC. I'm buying something today because my friend told me about her experience or his experience with that brand. Okay. That's personal. So corporate branding is now personal. From a professional standpoint, I can't go and sell myself in a job interview or as a salesperson or even as a C-suite executive if I can't differentiate myself because my job description is no longer enough. Yeah. We have to understand when I'm going for that job interview, so are 50 other people. What will make me stand out? Besides just the letters. 
aside from my stiletto. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm the business. Yeah. That's what's going to make me stand out. So if I'm the business, what makes up that business? Let's look at attributes in a corporate brand. It's exactly the same as an employee and as a personal brand. We all have a story. We all have values. We all have uniqueness. We all have a persona. These are attributes that make up a corporate brand, but absolutely make up a personal brand and an employee. The difference is there's the, in dif- they're in different order of importance. Hmm. Corporate brand is driven by their story. Yeah. A personal brand is driven by their legacy and their mission. Okay. They don't have a what's in it for me attitude, but an employee yeah. attitude does. Okay. That's the fundamental difference. So that's getting the executives who are the people that represent the brand to actually understand from their own personal perspective of what's going on, correct? Absolutely. And, yeah. and to really position themselves, more importantly, as complex problem solvers. They, we all need to own a real estate out in the corporate landscape of what it is that we want that we want to be known for sure and build currency around that which is where social media comes into it yep. yeah oh, there was a question I was gonna ask um, you wrote an article not long ago but it says that like I guess I want to get your thoughts on you know social media and the power that it does with branding it has it's Jamie it's actually fundamental in fact I think we call this social selling that's what it's now called. So what it means is that remember once upon a time we would, ha- we would have this thing called cold calling. You'd pick up the phone and you would introduce yourself and hope that you would get the appointment. I used to say speak to someone who and tell them about something they don't want. I'm a millennial. We just send a text message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is yeah. it's, well, it, that's, that's valid. What you yeah. just said was actually valid. So the thing is that that cold calling, unfortunately, people are still stuck in that analog mindset. Let me just say that doesn't work. Mm. It just does not work. So let's talk about social selling and why that's powerful in conjunction with a personal brand. So if I'm an executive in a corporation and I'm going into work every day, doing my thing, you know, day in, day out, what happens like the Telstra executives that got made redundant a year ago? What yeah. do those guys do? How is it that they're going to now stand and, and be able to get another job at $200,000 plus per year? It, those, those jobs don't exist anymore, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So this is what needs to happen at a corporate level today. In order to advance our careers, we do need to build our our currency, which is our social currency. How do we do that? We need to write about things that we know about or are passionate about. The part of our corporate landscape within your industry that you want to own. You want to be known as the expert for just that thing. You don't need to be known as the expert in IT, but be known as the expert in cybersecurity. And even go even more niche than that. So that when there is an opportunity to do a keynote or to be interviewed in a podcast or a magazine, you're the person that they reach out to, regardless of your title. You don't have to be the CEO or the board member to actually be invited for a keynote. You can be the CFO or the CMO or the CIO or the sales director. Yeah. So how is it that you build your currency? And when you are looking at transitioning into another job, for example, that re- your recruitment company and your prospective employer will look at your LinkedIn profile and check you out. If they don't see any currency there, you're just like everyone else. Talking about that in the currency, Mary, it's 
I went back through your LinkedIn recently um, and I think your last uh, video or might have been on collaboration and I think that had close to just a titch under 12,000 views, 300 likes, 150 comments um, and realistically the all your videos are getting somewhere between those uh, 5,000 up to you know 12, 13,000 views and the amount of comments which are tremendous comments um, and coming from some rather influential people there. Tell, tell us about, because I know that's all been organic growth. It, it's actual real likes, real comments, yes. not paid for. No. Uh, so in that respect, so you are the personal branding champion of this country without a doubt. But how did you get that? How did you get there? What, what was that recognition? Because what you're teaching people like myself is exactly what you've done and you can see that yeah. that's a very I think this, this is a really important thing to understand what I'm about to share so my approach to LinkedIn is very strategic and deliberate those are the two key words that people should understand as I'm sharing this knowledge most people are using social to promote themselves that's the narcissistic kind of mindset that's not me yeah so to cut through the noise what am I doing I just talk about that one area that I know for sure that's it but you right. had considerable value in what you talk about it's and absolutely. the articles are just they're massive succinct but brilliant but yeah. and it's all strategic and deliberate but I have a front-end strategy and a back-end strategy and they both must work in parallel so for example when I'm connecting with people that I want to connect with I'm strategically choosing those people that I'm connecting with because they're my prospects mm. so now I connect with 20 30 50 100 people on a daily basis from CEOs to sales directors to whomever and I have a process that I take them through. It's my sales funnel, but I use LinkedIn messages to take them to my, through my funnel. From that, when they connect with me, I'm having a dialogue in messaging with in, in the messages with them. But guess what? I'm also showing them content that I want them to see. Yeah. So the content I produce each week targets the people that I'm connecting with in the back end. Yeah. So there's an ecosystem happening on a daily basis. This is not Is luck. that messaging personal as well? Though, it's all personal. It? Yeah, it must be. The RoboBot stuff I oh, get no. straight away. Stay away from it that. It says Anthony in brackets Tony. Yeah. In other words, they've just copied and pasted my yeah. LinkedIn here in there. Correct. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And those guys are just, I mean... Oh, they're never... Well, yeah. from my perspective, they're never read. Well, the other yeah. thing is that also... Um, you have to also understand that you've got to decide what it is, why are you there? So I'm having anywhere from 10 to 15 face-to-face -face meetings per week. Some of those are on Zoom because some people are from the US. Yeah. Okay, it's very important. The other but thing- You've got is, a great video on that for anyone who wants to see it absolutely. on your LinkedIn profile. Magnificent video. Absolutely. How do you get 10 to 15 meetings per week? Wait, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then the other thing is that the content that I create, which I treat as a TV series, essentially. Yeah. So I have to create three to five, seven episodes per week. The inbound leads that I get from that are also phenomenal. So I've got two things happening in parallel, literally on a daily basis. Mm. 
So I know my metrics yeah. is, is the key. So when you know your, it's almost calculated. I know them that precise. Yeah, and it's interesting that when you talk about that, I know, and you talk about the precision, you're also getting people contacting you. Like, for example, yes, yes. I know just recently you had somebody who looks after a certain uh, industry profession. I won't yep. mention unless yep. you want to. Um, it looks after 1,500 individuals. And, you know, this is a profession that got smacked around the ears quite badly in the Royal Commission that I think was totally unjust. Uh, in my opinion, I think they do a magnificent job and it's not financial planners. <laughs> it's um, another sector. But you were asked to go in there to help them with their personal branding, yes. uh, especially after their their brand in regards to the industry got smacked around, which I thought was very unjust. So do you want to talk about that? Because I, 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 I they reached out to you. Absolutely. Yeah, so. and, and I think that what's so amazing about that, Tony, is that the reason why they reached out to me is because every man and his dog is now a personal branding expert. I'm actually great with that because they actually are helping me stand out and actually... Yeah. And But it's not just about that. It's... When you see my content, you also understand that it's not just about that, that the effect of the cause. I'm more interested in the science of it. So I have a whole ecosystem. I have an algorithm, for God's sake, built around personal branding. Yeah. And I think that, you know, my view is that you have to show people a minimum of 11 uh, pieces of content before they can start taking notice of you. So now have a look at my my uh, my progress, especially the last twelve months, especially the last six to nine. It's all consistent. Yeah. You know exactly what you're going to expect from me on a weekly basis. There's no surprises. There's no cats. There's no dogs. My kids are not in the background. <laughs> I'm not walking on the beach talking about the laptop lifestyle. It's consistent. I'm serious about personal branding because I'm serious about human transformation. I understand it. And so so I think that people are reaching out to me because A, I speak common sense, no nonsense, and what you see is what you get. It's interesting because a lot of people meet me and a lot of people say, oh, I was worried about not actually meeting the person I see on the video. But oh my God, you're exactly the same. <laughs> you are. So, so. Yeah, you've got to keep you away from coffee and red cordial, yeah, don't we? Because so, I know you don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, we, yeah, you and I over coffee is quite bad. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, in a very positive way. So, 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 I mean, taking that again one step further, these people are reaching out to you for what you actually do. What about that business that has a couple of employees and the boss is doing everything? How do they engage you, get the ideas, and then and then implement those ideas? So as an example, I'm surrounded by millennials who yep. teach me how to put a microphone in front of my face and say, start talking, you know, or let's, let's record what you actually say. So having, having the youngsters here, as I call them, um, helps me because they just tell me what to do and I do it put it bluntly yeah so how does that person uh, who this is all new to but wants to do it wants to grow their business wants to grow their business to a you know a, a seven to eight figure income how do they engage you but then actually do it and implement it how do you help them along in that way well, this is where the difference between a personal branding uh, consultant or specialist and a personal branding guru, there's a massive difference. And the difference is frameworks. Yeah. So when people work with me, they're actually getting frameworks from idea to end promise so that 
Not only are they doing it for themselves, but they're actually taking the frameworks and taking it in their business and now empowering their people. Yeah. They don't need me from that point onwards. This should be implemented with every person that walks into their business. There should not be any... I Honestly, if there's one thing that I can do in this lifetime, the legacy I want to leave, it's actually banning job titles and job descriptions. To me, they're just null and void. They're a waste of time. Yeah. You know, I understand that there's a parameter. I get that from a legal standpoint. But seriously, you're only getting an eight-hour version of a person. We need the 24-hour version of a person, right? And let me explain why millennials may, uh, uh, have actually also taught me the power of why this is important. In a corporation... And a lot of CEOs freak out when I say this. Again, I'm on a speaking circuit to C-suites and they just look at me and go, where, where is she going with this? <laughs> if I work in a business and I have 5,000 employees, I guarantee you that 20%, maybe even a little bit less of those employees have got a side hustle, all of them. Whether they want to become an Instagram uh, influencer, whether they've got a YouTube channel, they, they, their passion is cooking and they're, they're setting up their cooking channel and every day they go home and they've got this video camera and they're you know pursuing that side hustle. At some point, their goal is to actually pursue that side hustle as their full-time job. You're not doing your podcast full-time. No, I haven't even started. But this yeah. is a very important point. And why is it important? I want to know that Jamie has a YouTube channel. Mm. I actually want to know that. I want Jamie to talk about it in, in the office. Do you know why? Because the skill set that he or she has learned outside of nine to five is of absolute value to my marketing department. Why? Because my marketing manager is not experiencing YouTube like the way Jamie is. I don't know. I, don't, I don't know. What we're doing here. I, yeah, I don't know what if Boyana would let me talk football all day, but I can definitely, <laughs> I can definitely bring my thoughts in. <laughs> yes. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the side hustlers, the side hustlers, are alive and they're happening. You go to, um, I was at uh, Swinburne Uni the other day, and the amount of students that are not getting jobs and starting a side hustle is unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so I'm paying a hundred grand to hopefully, you know, for fill my dream as you know get my academic degree and then become something doesn't happen yeah yep so they're going to a job <laughs> but pursuing this side hustle yeah. i want to know about that side hustle and i want it in my business because the first five or six years that you employ somebody that individual gives you zero roi they're actually a loss to your company mm. but now if i can bring that 24 hours skill and passion into my business Maybe then I can add some additional value in my business. That becomes the company's IP and we create this amazing ecosystem. Mary, with that, what happens if companies just don't embrace that? What if they sort of you know, block that off and say, I know the way, I'm going to pursue the way that I know um, and let's move forward because it's my rules. So if we look at leaders like Gary Vee, who are the new leaders that are coming through, the millennials are going to be those type of leaders. The older guys can't cope with that because they're so stuck on an old paradigm, which is called old leadership. It's all about what's in it for me. Don't you know uh, overpower me because I need to buy another five years here. That's the mindset that we're dealing with. And at some point that mindset will break. 
There's no doubt in my mind. It has to be around empowering. We have to bring passion. We have to bring emotional skills into the business because that's how we build brand ambassadors. That's the only way. There is no other way. Brand ambassadors are built on three fundamental things. Number one, I allow you to tap into my passion. I'm allowed to bring my broader network into this business. And because of that, you're going to support me. You're going to ask me for my advice. And you know what? You're going to be my number one fan in this business and in my industry. Absolutely. So based on that, Mary Henderson has the inspiration and enthusiasm of 15 people. Uh, but at the same time, the personal branding is what you do and you Absolutely. do really well. So do you uh, knock back certain clients so you just say was i i can't help you or yes yeah so you do yep. absolutely i do and i do it every day yeah um so typically if somebody is not ready to monetize their business or they're not running a business um i basically can't help you yeah. i can't turn something from air into a brand yeah and also i don't want to work with those people that want to be rock stars i have no time for that mm. i genuinely am interested in working with people who have an expertise so typically they would actually exceed that ten thousand hour plus rule okay yep yeah so it's uh do you all know what the ten thousand hour plus rule is i, I certainly don't can you elaborate yeah so so uh, well mary if you want to but i'm happy to give it a shot if you're going from sport but basically you you, pra you have to practice something ten thousand for ten thousand hours before you become any good at it so it's uh well even even the old adage of bruce lee once had um well once had he one of the comments he made i don't know if it's true but i've heard it a hundred times and that is I'm not scared of the man who practices one kick 10,000 yeah. times. I'm scared of the man who practices uh, one... Sorry. I'm scared of the man who practices 10,000 kicks one time. I'm scared of the man who practices one kick 10,000 yeah. times. Yeah, even I knew so that one. 10,000 <laughs> hours. Like, it's true. Yeah. 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 Because that's what we call an expert, you know, and so a lot of people are textbook experts. Mm. I can't help those people. Yeah. Also, too, though, I think there's, you know, and I see it in my industry, I've had 28 years of experience Experience in this industry, but I'd like to think that I've grown yes. through that experience. I do see other people that have been in this industry for 20 years and they've still just got 21-year experiences. They're still doing things exactly the same. So I think exactly. I think they're historically called dinosaurs, <laughs> so of the industry and things like that. So when it comes to innovation, Jamie, you were going to ask uh, in respect to the innovation. Well, yeah, I think we sort of, we, we sort of did touch on yeah. it, but it, you know, if companies fail to embrace that innovation and, and fail to move on, as we've been we've been trying to change a lot of things in here and keep up to date with new technologies and make life mm. easier for our clients and. We really think that we've sort of touched on a lot of that. So I just, yeah, I just wanted you to sort of just touch on it one more time about how that if they don't embrace that innovation, what's going to happen to those I companies? think that's a very important question, Jamie. And I was only talking about this, exactly this topic with somebody the other day. Here's what I know for sure. Knowledge now is not shared vertically in, a, in an organization. It's now shared horizontally. And what that means is that large corporates are moving into project-driven environments, which means that lots of different people will be work, working on a project, not in silos anymore. That model's dying. So that means that you know somebody externally will come in and work on a project that actually is an expert just in that one area. But what are they actually doing? They're now sharing their knowledge amongst that team. What is that team actually called? Like if we really break it down, what is it? It's a micro tribe. 
These are people that actually have some level of like-minded zone. They share similar values, they're excited by that project, and they're learning and growing. So where are we leading in terms of innovation? From my perspective, we're building micro-communities within one large community. It's like your body is an organism made up of 70 trillion cells. It's the same with a company. It's an organization made up of lots of micro organs, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that's where I see innovation moving forward. Okay, so to close, and we'll give everyone, because I think it's important that they can contact you, yes. so we'll give them your LinkedIn profile yes. and uh, all your details, because uh, your knowledge is just exceptional. Um, you, you, and when I say your knowledge is exceptional, your ability to be able to turn that knowledge into what they want rather than just talking about it is exceptional is that you know make a decision well just have a chat make a decision implement and then measure and that's you down to a t in everything you do so if there's if we're talking five years in the future now what do you see in your space for what you're doing for organizations uh big and small where do you see or where is your uh vision of where things will be say over the next five years I, I, I absolutely believe that the micro tribes will be our normal in an organisation. I think that we won't be, I think hopefully job titles will be null and void and we'll have specialists. Um, and that, you know, the, the millennials that are coming up will be the new C-suites. So yeah. it's already happening now. And I'm excited by that because I know that by that, we're going to have this completely different shift in mindset that gives you know the younger generation uh, you know an opportunity to not just you know expand their knowledge but it's about creativity tony mm. this is about give being is the ability to have permission to bring ideas to the table and for those ideas to be celebrated. Yeah. It's the ability to actually talk about emotional intelligence and how you're feeling and, and communicating from a place of truth rather than fear in an organization. It's the ability to be able to walk into an organization and understand that to solve a complex problem, you actually need to experience the client side in order, in order for you to achieve success. So they're just the nuances that I see changing almost immediately. But the guys that are heading into that freelance consultancy, which is happening in the next five years, they're the guys that need to understand exactly what I've just spoken about. Emotional intelligence, creativity, complex problem solving, and packaging that as a specialist, which essentially is a personal brand. Packaging that as a specialist and bringing that enthusiasm and personality to it is something that AI cannot take can over. Can never take library. over. And, yep. and, and, the, and I always say to people that, you know, when what is the difference between my version of personal branding and everyone else's? Well, I commercialize personal brands. It's a vast difference be, be, between saying I can commercialize your personal brand versus I can create a personal brand for you. Anyone can do that. Yeah. Commercializing it, it's a whole new level. Mm. Guys, I think from my perspective, Jamie, you can close it off, but from my perspective, Mary, for the last 15 years, you brought so much passion to this world. The last, last 15 years that I've known you yeah. and for the previous plus couple decades prior to that. So you bring so much passion to this world. 
You are the most passionate person I've ever met about what you do um, and the results that you have got for yourself and for your clients has been absolutely exceptional. We would encourage everyone, Mary will be speaking at our upcoming conversation series as well uh, to our clients, but we welcome everyone. We'll have all Mary's contact details and the emails we send out to everyone as well. Uh, talk to Mary, see if she can help you out. She'll let you know if she can or if she can't, but she is the ex- absolute expert in this field. So I want to thank you, Mary. Thank you, Tony. You've been thank a you, dearest Jamie. friend of mine for a long time, so thank, thank you. you. Yeah, and I want to just say thank you. It's nice not just talking to Tony and, and, and getting someone here with, you know, I think that's the most enjoyable part. And I reckon, our, yeah, yeah, I, reckon <laughs> I reckon our listeners will like, you know, a few other opinions coming in there. So it, it's been fantastic. Opinions thank, you, thank, thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get photos with you.